Welcome to episode two of Concussion Junction. My name is Miriam Galdelli. I am a massage therapist and a researcher and therapist in the concussion world. Today, what I'd like to talk about is Parachute Canada. So a Parachute Canada is a document that was published a couple of years ago. They put together a group that did a literature review. So that means they went through many different publications, uh, research articles that were published to look at different suggestions, guidelines for education, for management, for detection, and for rehabilitation. And they put this document together to help people really uh, build a strong, a strong base on concussion knowledge, or at least learn some of the minimum that we need to know in order to properly deal with people who have suffered a concussion either in the past or just right in front of us during a sporting event. Parachute Canada also really talks about and introduces the concept of return to school and return to play. So these are concepts that we use in the rehabilitation process. This is a great document that I suggest if you have kids or if you play sports or, or if you're a coach, if you're associated to a school where there's gym class or if you're a gym teacher, if you're somebody who deals regularly with people who might suffer from a concussion or if you might suffer from a concussion, this is an interesting document for you to read because it does give you a lot of different resources and places that you can look at. So it looks a lot at the preseason education um, how to recognize a head injury, um, on-site medical assessment, medical assessment, concussion management, multidisciplinary concussion management, so rehabilitation and return to sport. So just to start off, here we, they really talk about concussion um, in general. So it is considered to be a mild traumatic brain injury. Those are different terms that can be used for concussion. And I, I just wanted to point out, because I do hear it very often where, where somebody comes into my office and says, oh, I had a small concussion, or, or in French, they say un petit commotion cérébrale. So uh, I, I just wanted to point out that there isn't really such thing anymore as a grade one, a grade two, or a small concussion, or a severe concussion. The symptoms that we feel might be severe. The, the effects of the concussion might be severe, but... We no longer classify them because something that we found is even somebody who who had very mild symptoms can still have long-term effects of a concussion. Um, actually, if you look at some research articles, uh, an article that I read that I will speak about in, in another episode of Concussion Junction, they pointed out how even regular subconcussive, so impacts to the head that don't cause a concussion, if you suffer several of them in a short period of time, there will be some changes that occur in the brain. So it's, it's really important to note that we don't classify concussions anymore. There isn't that mild, moderate, severe concussion. Uh, there isn't grade one, grade two, grade three. It's really now just a concussion. One thing that we do classify differently, though, is a concussion versus post-concussion syndrome or post-concussion symptoms. So post-concussion symptoms are symptoms that stay for more than a month after a concussion has been suffered. So a lot of symptoms will stay around for a couple of weeks, and then after those couple of weeks, the, the symptoms will go away. And this is an important concept because as we're, we're gonna learn later on, it in the past, a lot of doctors, a lot of teams, a lot of 
therapists who work with teams used to tell people like, okay, take a couple of weeks off and, and when you come back, you'll, you'll be brand new. The thing is not, not all symptoms go away within two weeks. And a lot of the research has also shown that rehabilitation is what makes symptoms go better. So being inactive and, and just being sedentary actually will not help the symptoms go away and rehabilitate. It could actually make things worse when you do go back to your full activities. Uh, it happens often where people go back to their full activities and then boom, all of a sudden they're hit with all of these symptoms, all of these effects that they hadn't felt because they were basically lying in bed for two weeks. And and let's face it, everybody has a life. Everybody has school or kids or work or or sports teams and not everybody can really just sit at home for two weeks and do nothing it's it's not something that's um, feasible for many so <clears throat> we really look at um, concussions management through symptoms and through the effects that the concussion had on the brain um, and something that's important to talk about really and this is part of the education is previously it was thought that in order for there to be a concussion, there has to be a very severe impact to the head. This is actually false. First of all, an impact to the head, in some people, even if they've suffered many concussions, just a light tap sometimes can, can trigger symptoms. And some people can get hit very hard and have the same effects as somebody who, who was hit lightly. It's important to note that it's not the impact on the outside of the head that counts, it's the impact that the brain will have against the walls of the skull inside that will affect concussion, that will affect symptoms or cause a concussion. So somebody can get hit in their thoracic spine, somebody can fall on their bum and it can cause a jostling in the brain. The person can suffer a whiplash where they might not get hit in the head, but there's enough force and movement in the head to cause a concussion. And this is so important. So many people think that in order for there to be a concussion, the person has to lose consciousness. This is actually false. You can get hit, you can fall, you can suffer a concussion and remain conscious the whole time. So this is not what you should use as, as a guideline for has this person suffered a concussion? Um, and this is something that I really wanted to point out because it's so important. I get asked so many times, well, how long does this person have to be unconscious in order for there to be a concussion that occurs? How unconscious does the person have to be? Like, do they have to be mildly conscious, not conscious at all? For sure, somebody who loses consciousness, this is considered one of the red flags. Uh, and in that case, we do call 911 and we send them to the hospital. There's no, oh, you lost consciousness, you're awake, please go to the back room and we'll evaluate you. You call 911, this person has to go to the hospital. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a severe hit to the head, there doesn't have to be any blood present. It, it's, there's different types of mechanisms of injury that can cause a concussion. So for signs and symptoms, there's different ways to, to detect if there is a concussion. It, it's important to note that different people will suffer different types of symptoms. The most common that we see though are headaches, nausea, changes in appetite, so somebody who used to be very hungry and now isn't hungry, changes in sleep patterns so somebody goes from sleeping all day every day to not sleeping at all or vice versa 
um, people who start to suffer from depression and anxiety, sensitivity to light, sensitivity to reading. A lot of people will tell you that if they look at their computer or at their phone screens or at their tablet that they have trouble seeing and it actually causes a headache. So these are some of the signs and symptoms that are the most important. And I find it very interesting that this should be pointed out because a lot of times we don't know what to look for, you know? If a teenager gets hit in the head and then over the next two weeks they start becoming more anxious or moody where they're incapable of, of controlling their tempers, we tend to say like, oh, they're just teenagers. And, and sometimes I look at, at the parents of certain clients that I see in, in clinic and I'm like, no, no, your child might be moody, but they're also concussed. And this is something that we need to deal with. And, and um, it's, a, it's a difficult situation very often uh, to decipher what could be stress or moodiness and what could be a concussion, but it does need to be done. It, it, you need to really think hard about how was he or she or how was I before versus after this, this hand impact. And sometimes these, these signs and symptoms, they stay for years. I remember once I had somebody who, who I was speaking to and she said, oh yeah, my, my two sons uh, used to play for junior hockey and one of them had to, to stop because of concussions and he had just way too many of them. And you know now he's just lazy. He sits at home doing, doing nothing. And, and this will be a whole other episode also of, of concussion junction, long-term effects for, for people who've suffered a concussion. But no, no. Your child's not lazy. It's just there's something going on in the brain that needs to be taken care of to help them get back to their normal everyday life. So prevention. This is something else that they talk about in in uh, Parachute Canada. And I find this very interesting because there's so much information that, that's coming out now. And, and I mean, I'm Italian, huge soccer fan. I watch the World Cup like everybody else. And, and when Italy wins, I'm in the streets celebrating just like everybody else. But... When I look at the research and, and I see the effects of constantly hitting the ball with your head, you know, hitting the ball and the effects that that could have on the brain, I start to question myself, are we really doing everything we can to help prevent concussions, you know? Why are football players still leading with their head when they have to check? Why are we not being careful, you know? Why do you see sometimes, you know, sometimes we watch hockey and we see that hit which looked kind of intentional where they knew what was going to happen. So, I mean, this, we really have to focus a lot more on prevention. But more than that, I remember speaking to a retired NHL player and when he decided to retire because he was afraid of the long-term effects of suffering more concussions than he already had, you know, he, he was, he was uh, belittled by many of his players, people who he worked with every day, his coworkers, who called him a wuss and, and, and told him he was scared and taunted him. And, and he said, you know what? I just, I want to be there for my kids as they grow up. So I think part of prevention is not only trying to prevent the actual injury, but I think there's an education where your brain is so valuable in your body that if, if you don't respect that, how can you prevent further injury, you know? You, you break your leg, if your leg is healing, you're not exactly gonna go and grab a hammer and hit it with that because you want your leg to heal. You, you want your leg to, to be solid and strong again. Well, it's the same thing with the brain, you know? We have to respect it, we have to rehab it properly in order to, to move forward. 
The next thing that, that Parachute Canada really does speak quite a bit about is also the assessment. Now, this is important because I, I've worked as a first responder, sports first responder, and as an athletic therapist with teams. And it happens so often where, you know, somebody falls and I go to check them, even if they don't lose consciousness. And I say, oh, you know, like this person's eyes seem to be off or the memory's off, doesn't really know where he is or she is or has a headache or this has happened. You know, I don't think um, and I'll tell them they shouldn't be playing. They they shouldn't be back on the ice or back on the field. And very often, you know, uh, people will tell me, well, how do you know? How do you know? I don't know. I, I can I can never be 100% certain. And the reality is that the only people who can really diagnose 100%, put it on paper, put it in a medical file, is a physician, is a doctor. So uh, an athletic therapist, a physiotherapist, an osteopath, a chiropractor, a lot of times they can't really diagnose, but a medical doctor can. So this is an important distinction. But if the therapist that's on field, who is trained to detect a concussion, who is trained to make sure and protect the athletes, it's very important to listen to them because at the end of the day, their job is to make sure that you, your child, or your athlete remains healthy. So the assessment is important because they look at short-term memory, they look at recall memory, they look at balance, they look at body movement, they look at symptom checklist they look at many different things and if you look in parachute canada they name a few including the scat 5 which came out i think now it's a year to a year and a half ago which has updated assessment forms and updated word, word recall forms which is very interesting and then finally there's medical clearance medical clearance is where yourself or whoever has suffered a concussion is told you can go back to full sports, you can go back to full school, you can go back to your full life, you know? And and that's super important because if if somebody is not there to really clear you, you may be going back too soon. There really is a process to preparing somebody to go back to to their sport or to their normal day-to-day -day activities. So we discussed some of the the general things. But I'm going to talk about some red flags, okay? We, I mentioned before that one of the most common symptoms is nausea. But one red, red flag that you should really be looking for is vomiting. If there is severe vomiting that is occurring, if this person's vomiting is not going under control, whether it be directly at the site of the concussion when it happens, or it be a week or two later as the person is rehabbing, this is not normal. This is an indication that there is something wrong and that person needs more help than the help that they're getting. So this is definitely a red flag that, that you need to look for. If the person is suffering from severe convulsions, this is also something else where you should really seek medical attention because convulsions, it's, it's not something that's normal and it also means that there's a miscommunication between the brain and the muscle activity. If there's worsening headaches, so normally, un unless the person is being stimulated in the sense that 
if they're starting a return to work program and we've gone from 15 minutes of computer work to an hour, the headache should not be getting worse. It should be getting better as time goes by. So if the headache is constantly getting worse, it's important to, to go see a physician and also with very severe neck pain. So with a lot of concussions, there is a whiplash effect that also happens at the same time. This is an important thing that, that needs to be noted. So very often when you're getting rehabilitated for your concussion, somebody should also be looking at your neck to make sure that there's full range of motion and the muscles are healthy because some pain, some of the headache pain and some of the other symptoms can be coming from severe neck pain from a whiplash. But if neck pain is not getting better and it's causing numbness in other places, then it's very important to, to see um, a doctor in this case. Another thing that I've seen with some clients that has happened is people who lose complete ability to speak or lose the complete ability to use their muscles. And yes, this does happen. And no, these two particular people that I have in mind were not athletes. They were day-to-day -day people who suffered severe car accidents. So in these cases, if that is happening to you, it is not normal. You really need to go see a physician. They need to do um, various tests. Some of them that they might choose to do is a CT scan or an MRI, something that's not used very often but has been found useful for concussions is a functional MRI. So that means looking for what parts of the brain will light up during different activities or, or different types of stimuli. So these are some of the tests that should be done by a physician. Um, and it's important, this is something that's not really mentioned in, in Parachute Canada guidelines, but it's something that I do tell many of my clients. If you feel that there is something wrong with you or something wrong with your child, you know them better than a doctor knows them or yourself, okay? It is important to be your own advocate. It is important to be your own lawyer, I guess you can say, and seek another opinion, seek another doctor. If you feel like there's really something wrong and you're not being helped in the way that you should be helped, seek somebody else. I have so many people that come to my office and and this is with even some of the other work that I do, not just with the concussion things, and I will sit them with them and I will do a consult and I will tell them, I think you should ask your doctor to do this, this, and this. Or maybe go and see this doctor who is used to these types of cases. And and by doing that, you open a door to, to really finding out what the true answer, what the true solution is for you. Um, and so if you feel like there is something wrong or you feel off, then keep fighting, keep, keep looking for what the solution is. And in, in future episodes, we'll also talk about how to choose a therapist, how to make sure that you're working with the right one for you. And I think that that's important no matter what you're rehabilitating, whether it's a concussion or, or anything else. So we spoke a little bit before about the on-site testing and the assessments, but I'll talk, I'll link it now to in the clinic. Unfortunately, when you go to a physiotherapist, a massage therapist, whoever it is that you're going to see to rehabilitate your concussion, many of these people, I mean, obviously they can't afford to have an MRI machine. Those are millions of dollars that they would need. So they have to rely on a lot of the 
same tests that are used during the on-field assessment. So they're going to go through a symptom checklist. If you've had symptoms for more than one month, then they'll probably use the river mead, whereas the SCAT-5 is used usually on site at the time of injury. They'll do some basic eye testing, they'll check your balance, and they'll do some memory tests. So this is important because we can sometimes go back to what your test scores were on site and see if they've changed at all. We can see use these scores to see how you're getting better from one appointment to the other. And I tend to also speak a lot to my clients about what they feel, how they feel, how much more did they get done today versus last week when I saw them the week before. I ask questions about how's your sleep? How many hours do you sleep? Are you understanding what your teachers are saying? Are you okay with the workload at work? So these are a lot of things that I discuss with my my clients. And so this is important that when you're when you're on site with practitioners or you're in an office, these are some of the different tools that they're using to assess your concussion. If you're going in for, for concussion rehabilitation and, and there's no organized assessment being done on you, um, I would question them what they're using to assess how your concussion is improving. So this is just something that's important to note because it, it is listed in, in uh, Parachute Canada and it is something that, that I've seen also, um, unfortunately in my practice, some people who don't regularly evaluate the concussion that they're that they're rehabilitating so when when you're looking at the management of a concussion when you're on site like i mentioned earlier if there's any suspicion of a concussion it is very important that that person does not return to sport right away when we say that rehabilitation should be active we're looking at walking instead of playing football or hockey or soccer or water polo or anything like that. So it has to be a very gradual return to your day-to-day -day activities. A lot of people who've suffered a concussion, the first thing that they want to do, the brain wants to protect themselves. So they're in, they're in the flight part of the fight or flight. So they just want to close themselves off and, and seclude themselves and, and not be part of the world. So we have to bring them back slowly to their day-to-day -day activities. And, and only by doing that can you really start to rehabilitate somebody. We do a very gradual return to sport. Like I said, your first step will be walking 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I've had athletes who can run marathons, but right after their concussion, they're just walking for 10 to 15 minutes. We have a gradual return to school and only after all those other things have been done do we have a gradual return to sport. So what does all of this mean? Well, if you go into an office and you start your rehabilitation process, the person will assess your symptoms and try to understand what's going on. So if you've had a concussion, snowboarding, for instance, I'll use this example since it has been snowing the, the past few days. Well we start to ask you questions. How long ago was the concussion? What activities do you feel that you can do? And we try to get an understanding of how you feel. Why? Because when we're rehabilitating somebody, we need to make sure that we're not bringing symptoms on. So if being on the computer for 20 minutes causes your symptoms to get worse, then we'll tell you to be on your computer for only 15 minutes. 
If walking 20 minutes causes your symptoms to get worse, well, you're starting your walk at 15 minutes. If reading bothers your eyes or watching TV bothers your eyes, then we'll suggest to you that you either look away from the TV or you listen to the radio. So these are our different things that we start to do. Once we've assessed how bad the symptoms are and what's going on, then we can start the rehabilitation. Most therapists can give basic eye exercises. I strongly urge you that if your eyes are very affected by your concussion, to go and see a behavioral optometrist. So this is an actual profession that is out there. Most of the times they treat people who have learning disabilities, such as what we used to know as uh, dyslexia, but now has changed names. Um, so these people can really help to look at the patterns of the eyes, how the eyes are moving, and give a lot of the appropriate exercises for that rehabilitation. But if the effect on the eyes is very minor, most therapists who deal with concussions should be giving you eye exercises. I would say in all of the concussion cases that I've seen so far, 99% have needed some amount of eye exercises, and that's very important. Um, so then you start to get the right exercises that are for you. You get an exercise prescription that is for you. You get a return to learning that is specific for you. And so this is super important because if you, especially now, most of our jobs deal with computers and most schools have their the kids on computers all day long. So it could be that you need to communicate with your child's school or with your boss and say, I need time off or he or she needs time off. We have a gradual return for students also, just like we do for adults when it's returning to work. Well, they're going to start off with half a day of school. And once half a day of school is easy, then we're going to try two half days. Then once two half days are easy, we'll try three half days. And once three half days don't cause symptoms, we'll go to four and then to five. Once we're at five, in the middle of the week, we'll put a full day. Then we'll put it at the beginning of the week and the middle of the week, a full day. Then we'll do beginning, middle, and end of week to have a full day. We don't want to bombard the person. We want to make sure that we go back very gradually. And I know, especially depending on the grade that the child is in, as a parent, you might start to feel, oh no, they have exams to do. What are we going to do? How are we going to manage this? Well, this is really where you need to ask yourself, What's more important now versus later? If you don't rehabilitate the concussion properly, it could affect them for years to come. And there's research studies where they've looked at the long-term effects of concussions, which we will discuss in, in future episodes. I know I'm, I'm dropping a lot of different uh, tidbits about what we will discuss in the future, but this is important to understand that if a concussion is not rehabilitated, it doesn't go away. The effects will stay there. So it's it's important to understand that a return to school has to be gradual, just like a return to sport needs to be gradual. And so I explained a bit about what a return to school is, a return to learning, and it's the same concept for people who work full time. So we want to start off slowly. Um, for those of you who don't have vacation days or sick days or insurance that can cover some of this, you might have to be a little bit more creative 
in how you get back. You'll have to be open with your boss and, and really find the recipe that is right for you. But it's important to do this, this process properly. So now I'm going to talk about return to play. So this is return to sport. And, and I find this very important to note because um, very often you'll have athletes who will say, I can't, I have to go back. There's going to be a scout and there's going to be this and there's going to be that. And, and I get it. But this needs to be done properly. So we start off, like I said, with minor walking or minor cycling. That's really symptom limiting. We don't want to exacerbate the symptoms. And then we start going back into light aerobic, maybe cycling at a faster pace, running instead of walking. And then we start to get into sport specific training and weight training. So things that will strengthen the person for their sport. The next step is doing non-contact drills. So what does that mean is, let's say they play hockey or basketball, they can start getting back into the practice as long as there is no contact in the drills and the exercises that they are doing. After that, they can then go to full contact. Again, most of the contact sports are hockey and football and rugby. I keep forgetting rugby. So then they can go back to the full contact practicing. And only after all of these things have been done and there hasn't been an exacerbation of symptoms, can the person go back to a full return to sport and to competitions? So this is, this is very important to, to talk about. Something else that, that they did talk about in, in Parachute Canada, and this is the reality of so many people. I'm a city person, I've always lived in the city, so I'm used to saying, I need to go to the doctor, and I just go. I need to go to the hospital, and I just go. But there's some more rural areas, there's parts of the world where there isn't a doctor that can necessarily be, be accessed, or maybe isn't a doctor that's knowledgeable on concussions. So it's important to know, are there nurses you can contact, nurse practitioners you can contact? Do you have accessibility to a hospital somewhere where you can go? Is there a possibility of being treated remotely? Is there another specialist where you live who can be possibly trained in the rehabilitation of this or who will communicate regularly with a doctor to rehabilitate you? So this is something that, that is important for you to think of because not the reality is not everybody lives in a big city where we have constant access to two physicians. But a nurse practitioner sometimes is is knowledgeable enough to be able to do a lot of the basics that somebody who has suffered a concussion might need. And it is very important though, is don't, don't try to rush your rehabilitation process. Respect your body, respect your brain, respect what, what you need really to get better so that you can get better properly. And, and to really listen to your doctor and, and to the therapists who, who are on the team or who are working with you, you know, um, and as a coach or a parent, mostly coaches, ask your athletes the right question. You know, um, in no circumstance is, is one game really worth the health of certain people. And, and I'm going to tell a story now 
that happened to me when I was a student athletic therapist and we were reaching the final game of for the hockey team I was working with and these were SEJEP, so college students and one of them broke her ribs and so I did not give her clearance to play because you shouldn't be playing hockey if you have broken ribs and her coach said if you have a doctor's note you can play and so she walked into a everyday clinic and didn't really tell the truth to to the to the doctor and just said oh I have bruised ribs and I need a note saying I can play and the doctor just uh, wrote her note she went back she played um, and unfortunately because she didn't allow herself to heal properly and she played her ribs did not heal properly and her hockey career was done so her scholarship to, to university was also done and over with because she can no longer play hockey. So um, as a coach, as a parent, really make sure that the physician that you're speaking to or the note that you're getting is really the right one for, for the concussion that, for any injury actually, because I, I, the example I just gave had to do with broken ribs and not with, with a concussion. But this is very important that that you focus on getting the right type of clearance and the right type of re rehabilitation in, in any situation because you don't want to have something worse on your shoulders. Um, and always keep in mind that about 30% of people who have suffered a concussion will have symptoms that stay past the one, month, one month mark. So that means that a lot of people will have rehabilitation needs that really do span past the one month and they might not be back to fully back to school or work or the sport for that amount of time and and even if that amount of time is passing the rehabilitation process still needs to be respected so that's that's about all that i wanted to talk about today about parachute canada i really appreciate you listening in and feel free to message me with any questions that you might have, any topics you think that you might want covered in future Concussion Junction episodes. And so remember to take care of your brain. You only have one.